Welcome to Code Whack, a podcast on America's whack healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. So what's the deal with California's single-payer bill, AB 1400? Why did Assemblyman Ash Kalra introduce the bill in early 2021, and what has he learned since? We recently spoke to Kalra whose district includes half of the city of San Jose, to get the scoop. He was actually the first Indian American to serve in the state assembly, and he's now serving his third term. Welcome to Code Whack, Assemblyman Cholera. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. In February of this year, 2021, during this devastating pandemic that has taken the lives of over 70,000 Californians so far, you introduced AB 1400, or CalCare, a single-payer Medicare for All bill that would transform the healthcare system in our state and directly address healthcare inequality. Why is this bill so important to you, and why now? And full disclosure, Code WAC is a project of the California One Care Education Fund, which supports AB 1400. And I definitely appreciate that support. I introduced it because I believe healthcare is a human right. And for too long, we've been denying this human right, either outright to people that don't have healthcare or in effect for those that don't have meaningful access to healthcare. And why now? We not only are in the midst of a devastating pandemic, especially back in February, if you think about that, what we were going through during that time, but also... We have a governor that's supportive. We have a supermajority of Democrats in the California legislature. And we had the election of President Biden, uh, which now gives us an opportunity to make the case to the Department of Health and Human Services to allow for federal waivers. So you have a lot of different things that came into play that weren't there the year before. And so I think that the timing in that sense is really good. Great. Thank you. Just last month in October, you visited New York, Washington, D.C., and your native Canada on a healthcare study tour related to the CalCare bill, which would give all California residents comprehensive health, vision, dental, hearing, and long-term care. What was the purpose of the tour, and what were some of its highlights? The purpose was twofold. One was the study aspect of it. It was really to learn, particularly in Canada, but also on other parts of my trip, to learn how others are approaching uh, the healthcare access issue, whether it's looking at a single pair type system or something short of that. I just want to see what people's thought processes uh, are at the moment. Uh, but the other one is the lobbying aspect, and that's especially being in D.C. to let congressional leaders know that you know this bill is here. It's coming forward again in, in January uh, to talk to representatives of the Health and Human Services Department, to talk with Senator Padilla and a number of congressional uh, leaders uh, was incredibly valuable to hear their insight and to let them know that you know I'm all in on this. Wow, that's great. What else did you find out on this tour? And did anything surprise you? A couple of things. One in Canada, it was really interesting because it's very much of a provincially run system. And I don't think I realized how much so until I was there. And I visited Ontario and Quebec. I learned about the Canada Health Act, which very much puts the power in the states. So I liken it to what we're trying to do here. New York has a bill. Other states are looking at bills. But ultimately, if the United States of America is going to get a single-payer type system, it's got to start in the states. And I think it allows the states to develop a system that works for each individual state and their population and their economy. And the other thing that that I learned that I, I already was of the opinion of, but was made very clear when I met with Department of Health and Human Services, is that we need to pass a bill in the legislature before we can apply for federal waivers. Right. That's great. In Canada, does every single payer system work differently from state to state? It does. And that was one of the things I learned about how unique the systems are. For example, 
um, when I was in Quebec, Quebec covers pharmaceuticals. A couple of decades ago, they decided to start doing that. No other province does. But when I was in Ontario, you can sense some of that regret that, that they hadn't done that sooner. And in Quebec, they were very happy they did. And that's why care needs to be comprehensive. In Toronto, between the ages of 25 and 65, there's no coverage for pharmaceuticals. And that's a big gap in, in coverage for Canadian residents in, in Ontario and in every other province except for Quebec. And so it was really interesting to see um, that there are different types of systems. Now, the system is different there in the sense that the, um, the system is also publicly run. And in, in our case here, the, the intention is not to publicly run the system, but rather to ensure that the payment system is unified and under a single-payer system. And you can still go to the same doctors you've been going to and the same clinics and what have you you've been going to. That's great. Did you have a chance to speak to um, average Canadians about how happy they are with the system? I did. And one of the interesting things is not only did, did I have the chance to talk uh, to Canadians uh, about the system, I also had a ch- chance to talk to some Americans that have been in Canada for a while and the access to care. And also even to some Canadians that are relatively well off where you think like, OK, well, they probably don't like wait times this, that and the other. And the reality is that for things that are urgent, people get seen in an urgent manner. For things that may not be as urgent, yeah, there will be somewhat of a wait. But we have waits here as well. And for people that don't have health care, they don't have a wait because they don't have health care. But what I really found interesting is that th- those that tend to have the means were willing to sacrifice if it meant everyone had access to health care. And so that sense of community was really powerful to see. Do you think we have that in America or do we have the potential of having that? I think we have the potential. I, I won't sell ourselves short. It doesn't seem like it at times, but I, I do think that the potential is there, especially if we can save our system a lot of money and make sure that uh, everyone's cared for. And frankly, for those that are more fiscally minded, make it clear that, look, at the end of the day, if there are a lot of people that don't have health care or a lot of people on, on you know, Medi-Cal or other government assistance, for healthcare, and that's coming out of our pockets too. It's not fiscally sound. It makes much more sense to make sure everyone has you know, the same access to coverage and uh, it'll be much more cost effective in that sense too. Right, great, thank you. Given your strong commitment to achieving healthcare equity in California, it must've been a setback when CalCare was shelved last year. You've said you plan to reintroduce it in January. What has to happen for it to get through the legislature and become law? Well, you know, a couple of things here. One is, you know, I held the bill. It, it wasn't, you know, it was it was a proactive action on my part, knowing that if it had been referred to the policy committees, it was likely not to be able to get the votes. And I said, you know, let me take the time to do it. So the bill, I don't have to reintroduce it. It's a, it's a live bill. But I do expect, you know, that when we get back in January, that it will be referred to policy committees. And we can ensure that, um, you know, we have vigorous debate. And I'm very hopeful that my colleagues will understand the urgency of the moment that we need to move forward. Right, great. What are the biggest challenges you face in passing AB 1400? Getting the votes to get to get it through. And I think that the reality is twofold on that. And, and it's not like, you know, you know and, I, and I don't say this, you know, being high and mighty, like, oh, I support healthcare. And my colleagues don't. That's not true at all. My colleagues have taken a lot of steps, especially during the pandemic, to expand healthcare. Uh, expand access to undocumented residents. So the general belief is the same with me and and certainly my Democratic colleagues, that we all believe that our system uh, is not working and we have to do better. Uh, That being said, there's a lot of fear, you know, fear of the unknown, fear 
of you know changes that you know people that like their healthcare system right now like insurance-based healthcare because it's working for them, that we're going to somehow be taking something away. And I'm trying to make it clear that this is additive. It's not subtractive. We're not looking to take anything away from anyone. But uh, it's hard because when you're the first to do something, it's the hardest step to take. How do you plan to address the question of financing, which has reportedly been the sticking point for previous bills? Yeah. In fact, even when I look at what's happened in other states and even talking with federal representatives, that question comes up. The reality is we've got to figure out a way to pay for it. Now, when I say that, that's also with the understanding that our current system is way more expensive than single payer would be. All studies show it. We know that to be the case. But the problem is it's not as simple just moving money from bucket A to bucket B. There's right now a bunch of buckets. We got to figure out a way to kind of get those buckets together into a CalCare bucket, so to speak. What that means is that Instead of the current payment system, much of which which relies upon private employers paying really high premiums and individuals paying premiums and co-pays into that, um, we instead of that, we had to find some kind of public financing through taxation. So people will say, oh, you're going to tax us. Well, yeah, there might be taxes, but it's going to be a lot less than what you're currently paying. And so we're looking at a number of different mechanisms. There's not one way to do it. Because if you just do it under one kind of tax, it becomes overly burdensome. And so we have to find different... So that's what we're researching and and looking at now. Okay. So there haven't been any projections done yet for AB 1400's costs? There have not been any specific ones quite yet. There's some estimates. And I think that what we're hoping is that as the bill goes towards policy committees, that that the the further analysis will help illuminate that. That's usually what happens with uh, policy bills is that it goes through, um, you get more and more analysis from the administration as to how much it would cost. Now, this is not just any bill. So but we're hoping to get some insight you know, sooner rather than later on that as well. Right. You mentioned that um, most people will be saving money. Even if their taxes do go up, they won't be paying things like copays and deductibles and out-of-pocket costs. Um, do you think that most people understand that that's the case? I don't know if that's the case yet. Uh, people understand that. I don't know in particular if employers understand that because employers pay a fortune for health care. Um, but also to your point, I mean, individuals, deductibles that are sometimes in the thousands, if you get you know the most basic um, plan under the ACA, you, you, you may never even reach that level of deductibles during a year. And what happens is people end up rationing their health care because they know they have to pay thousands of dollars before any of that health care kicks in to help offset the cost. And so, yes, well, is it helpful for catastrophic incidents in care? To some extent, but even then, some of the copay or deductible amounts even, you know, or, or the, the, the cost sharing is too much for so many families. Right. Last year, Governor Gavin Newsom established the Healthy California for All Commission to develop a plan for a unified healthcare delivery system, including but not limited to a single payer system. Will this commission have any impact on your work to pass AB 1400? Well, absolutely. Look, anything that provides data, information, policy suggestions that helps to inform me and those pushing forward 1400 is a good thing. There's some really smart people on that commission, some of whom I've had private conversations with regarding AB 1400. And so there's no doubt that we need to take advantage of the expertise on that commission 
and whatever the recommendations or information that comes out from it, use it to whatever extent possible to push a single pair system. And AB1400 is a vehicle that we can do that with. And so there's no sense that there's wasted energy in that. I just hope that what we recognize is that with the completion of this commission, I'm really hopeful that we say enough commissions and studies, people are suffering. And we've, we've waited far, far too long. I am grateful to the governor for at least putting together some kind of mechanism to bring great ideas together and, and financing ideas. That's a good thing, but it should not be used as an excuse um, for us to delay any further. Right. What's at stake when we do delay? People die. You know, people die, people go bankrupt, people become homeless. Um, you know, look, look at COVID. You know, the, the reality is that when you look at the COVID deaths, there's a direct link between those that are dying and those that don't have health insurance. And so we know the impacts. Uh, COVID makes it very visceral and clear. But the reality is that that's true for all ailments across the board, whether you have diabetes, whether you get into an accident, whether you have heart disease, whatever it might be, those that have the means have access to either medications or medical care that prolong their life. Those that don't have the means don't, and they die younger. And that's happening right now with our current system. Thank you, Assemblyman Ash Cholera. Tune in next time when we continue our discussion with the Assemblyman about the CalCare bill and California's healthcare reform efforts. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. Find more Code WAC episodes on progressivevoices.com and on the PV app. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.